Hello, and welcome to the Landis Cooperative Experience, featuring the bull bear banter. We all know that markets often behave in a way that can't easily be explained. The bull bear banter is our best effort to digest the noise of the marketplace. So thank you for joining us. Sit back, relax, and let's talk about the markets. Hello, this is Cheyenne Dunham, and I want to welcome you to the July 5th episode of the Bull Bear Banter. Tom Guinan and I are both in the office today, and we hope everyone had a happy and safe holiday yesterday. So Tom, a little bit of a weird trade week with markets being closed yesterday and last night, but can you give us a rundown of where we left things for the week? Sure. On Friday afternoon, September corn finished up a couple of cents, just shy of 4.39 and up 14 cents for the week. December corn closed up a penny at about 4.42, almost 11 cents higher from last Friday's close. August soybeans lost almost 14 cents today, closing at 8.76. November beans were also down about 14 today at 8.94 and a half. Both of those contracts were down just a little over 28 cents for the week. Thanks, Tom. After last Friday's more than discouraging performance in corn, it's nice to see it was able to bounce back a little. I'm not sure we had much of a big story this week, and I think we somewhat anticipated that ahead of time. I think Wednesday would be considered the highlight of the week, mostly looking at some correction from Friday's post-report reaction and optimism about trade between the U.S. and China. I do want to throw in a quick note while I'm thinking about it and let our listeners know we have a special segment with one of our agronomy team counterparts after our regular market update today. But first, let's go over the short and sweet notes we've collected about our grain markets this week. Sounds good, Cheyenne. For corn, I think we started the week still reeling from that surprisingly high 91.7 million acreage number last Friday. And while the USDA has made it clear that they will be resurveying this month, it'll be August 12th before we find out any new information relating to that. This week's crop progress report showed the corn crop condition holding steady at 56%, good to excellent, but we've had a lot more rain and some strong winds across many regions this week. I think traders will be keeping a close eye on the conditions report on Monday. The monthly grain crushings report showed May corn use for ethanol up 4.4% from April, but down about 2.3% from last year. Moving off of that, weekly export inspections data showed only 272,000 metric tons of corn shipped last week. That was down about 56% from the previous week and well below this time last year. Brazil has an opposite story with corn exports in June more than nine times larger than a year ago. So we keep kind of going back and forth here on a corn market outlook, but I think right now it's a wait and see game until we know a lot more about this crop, how many acres were planted and the condition and the growing progress of those fields. Like corn, soybeans saw no change in crop conditions on Monday's report, holding at 54% good to excellent. I think many in the trade were hopeful we would see something come out of talks between President Trump and Xi at last weekend's G20 summit. Unfortunately, all we got were very vague references to the Chinese buying more U.S. ag goods and U.S. delaying implementing those tariffs we've continued to talk about. In other words, the usual no hard numbers and no new news story. On a positive note, U.S. export inspections last week were only down 1.7% from the week before and about 15.5% lower for the year-on-year. To add on to that, over 55% of those exports were shipped to China. So, a little short on the soybean news this week, but I think that's fair considering the shortened week and lack of information on the trade front. Just a quick note that this week seemed to have a corrective feel to it, considering corn and soybeans both closed opposite of where they did following the report last Friday. Yeah, I agree with you. I think uh, I heard somebody say earlier this week that they thought maybe that 80 million acres for soybeans might be the lowest number we see 
through the rest of the year. So we'll kind of see how that goes. And then let's go into our why does it matter. As I read through a lot of my marketing wires this week, I think chatter would be the most accurate word. Just a note and a reminder to our listeners that quantity doesn't always mean quality. And sometimes trying to read everything from everyone can be confusing, overwhelming, and take away from your strong marketing strategy. Rather than trying to catch every bit of information that exists, we'd suggest you just focus on a select few and maybe throw in one or two that don't have the same opinion that you have so that you can at least see the other side of that. In our what to watch for in upcoming events, keep an eye on your fields and keep an open line of communication with your agronomist, your grain buyer, and your crop insurance agent should the need arise. If you see any potential problems, it's easiest for everyone if they can be addressed early. The weekly crop progress reports should continue to be in the back of everyone's mind. With delayed planting we had in many areas this spring, we could see some swings in condition ratings as those late planted fields start to come onto the conditions radar. So Tom, for the tweet of the week this week, I spent a little bit of time today looking through and I found one that kind of stuck with me. It was, it's not harvest time that's the most dangerous to be out on those rural roads. It's the five days before harvest when you have 300 combines driving around looking for dry grain to harvest. So a little bit of humor there, a little bit of truth to it. And just a note, um, you know, as I've kind of out on the gravel roads, I ride horses a lot, I'm out there, I see a lot of sprayers and everything. And I really appreciate when people are courteous to me about that with the farm equipment so I always try to remember that as you know you're coming up on farm equipment if you're passing them and everything just a note for everyone to be safe as we you know continue on this this spring and the summer and everything like that. Yeah I know when I was uh, teaching my kids to drive and we lived out in the country and I would always let them know spring and fall that's the time you have to be looking for that guy in that big piece of equipment you got to slow down you got to be anticipating them because you might pop up over a hill and all of a sudden there's a slow moving vehicle. You got to be ready for that that time of year. But any time of the year on a gravel road, you got to be careful. Yeah, so a little humor there, a lot of truth to it. But um, we're kind of going to leave on that note. Um, we appreciate everyone joining us today for the Bull Bear Banter as part of the Landis Cooperative Experience podcast. We look forward to your comments and questions. Just drop us an email at podcast at landiscooperative.com. A good reminder as we are seeing these volatile trade days, bears make money bulls make money and pigs just go to market. If you have any questions regarding grain marketing decisions, please reach out to your area grain marketing advisor. We want to thank you for listening. We'll both be back again next week. For now, please stick around for our agronomy segment with Tom and Dave Lemke. Today I'm joined by Dave Lemke. The title I see on your business card, Dave, says Field Sales Agronomist for Landis Cooperative, and I know you're kind of in the Northwest region, but I also know that you manage the research plot here in Farnhamville. So why don't you just give us a, a little better feel for who you are, what you do, and what you're looking at in the plot this year. Alrighty, thanks Tom. It's my pleasure to be here. Yes, my job is I'm technically a senior field sales agronomist, so I call on customers that I am assigned to, but I also help a lot of the younger sellers, go to growers with technical questions. As they call me, I'm the old guy. I've got 40 years of experience in agronomy sales. I've had numerous positions within the co-op. I feel this is my best position to finish my career. I've been a CCA, Certified Crop Advisor, for 25 years. 
and I pride myself in the fact that we are going to do what the customer needs, help them figure out their problems, and make them more profitable. Perfect. And I also have the privilege, Tom, of operating the farm here that the co-op owns, doing some research things. We started this project over 10 years ago where we're demonstrating some things in field-sized experiments, new concepts, give people a chance to look at them one-on-one and not lose any of their money. We'll spend some of ours to try them. Yeah, and I, I know that's worked out real well in the past. So what specifically, if you can talk about this year, are you kind of looking at maybe some of the things you're continuing on from other years or something new this year? Yeah, we are. We're doing some of both. We've started doing quite a bit of nutritional things. You know, if we're going to get to 300 bushel field average corn yields, we're going to need to feed them differently. We're going to need to feed those crops more often. So we've been doing a lot of variable rate applications, trying to build the base saturation of some of the nutrients. And that's a topic that a lot of our precision ag people are getting familiar with. We're also looking at variable rate planting. We do operate some varietal trials here, but probably our biggest concept this year is more the nitrogen management, just because of the spring that we've gone through. And 2018 taught us some lessons as well about managing nitrogen and multiple applications. Okay. We are utilizing tissue samples to tell us where we're at at this stage. We also will do some early fungicide applications, which we did last week. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, cool. So I know when you and I spoke last week, I kind of teed this up as, you know, that old adage of knee high by the 4th of July. And I always think, well, that's for people that aren't farmers. Um, But just what are you seeing? What's the crop condition um, in the area you cover here in the Northwest region? You know, what are you seeing in the field so far this year? A whole lot of variability, and I know we've talked about this, and everybody sees it as they're going down the highway. I mean, we've got some fields that went in very early in that first planting period that look really solid today. You know, we've done some root digs and that, and there are still rooting issues and some potential disease issues in them because of the beginning of the year. Mm. You know, as you look at the ones that were stuck in the mud we've had some that have needed a little sprucing up stand isn't quite there you know the plant quality isn't there so we've been doing some side dress applications and you know it's been very uneven because of the sporadic rainfall that we've had in some areas there's been as much as six, seven inches of rain difference within a few miles. Right. So um, here we are on the back end of July 4th, and you know we're sitting down talking on July 5th. What should you? What are you worried about and concerned with as we go into pollination? What should the farmers be thinking about as they go through this pollination period? So when you look at those plants that have been stressed and we've gone through a hot period where it didn't cool down very well at night, plant health, respiration, all of those are important when it comes to reproduction. You know, we are going to be tasseling after a very rapid growth period here. So I'm very concerned about stock quality potentially with, you know, we're seeing some anthracnose in the lower part of the plant and I'm sure 
sure within the next couple of weeks we'll see some gray leaf spot. So all of those things and what are going to be concerning to me, I'm also going to be monitoring closely some insect things. You know, we've had some Japanese beetle reports already and they tend to come out about this time so we worry about them being in big enough numbers to clip silks. Being in the field at this time is a very important project for our people as well as for the growers. Sure and you know even as I'm driving around this week I see a lot of guys spraying beans you know you talked about variability in the corn plants but it's really noticeable in those soybean plants. Is there anything you're concerned with just because of the height of some of these beans as far as getting them sprayed? Yes, soybeans, I mean, we're under the gun here to get our Fomasafe and the Flexstar type of products on no later than July 10th, especially with the risk of carryover and our crop rotation restriction of 10 months. So when we have larger beans, it's not as critical because you have a lot of interception by that bean. When we have smaller beans, yes, we have smaller weeds, but you also have that same risk of spraying on bare ground. And until we get more adaptation of Enlist, the E324D beans, or extend soybeans, it's a very critical piece of our weed management because that's the only group of chemistries that will kill water hemp. So that is a concern. You know, beans are about nodes. And how many nodes can you grow? The more that you have, the more chance of a better yield because that's where your pod groups grow. So there really isn't anything other than making sure that bean doesn't have a bad day once it emerges. So we don't necessarily want to go out there and fry them back to little brown stumps again, but we also will be worried about do they need a fungicide? Should we be foliar feeding them to try and initiate growth and blooming in pods? Okay, okay. Because we can't add to the pod count now because of planting date, that's all determined in the amount of heat units they will receive. Okay, so you talked a little bit about fungicide. Just walk us through a little bit of that. I know you guys have done some trials in the past few years, but what would you tell a farmer that maybe hasn't used fungicide in the past on either corn or beans and and why they should be looking at something like that, especially this year? Okay, that's a very good question and it's a very timely one. We've been doing fungicide applications here at Farnhamville for the last six or seven years and not really doing them anymore because we've proven what we needed to prove. That prior to tassel, you're going to make that plant cooler. You're going to allow it to respire. And our average yield improvement has been 17 bushel. Several years ago, we borrowed a a near-infrared camera from the fire department to take the temperature of a corn plant, and during a hot day, you're as much as 11 degrees cooler. And you think about water utilization Mm -hmm. and respiration that evening, because the plants have to shut down and respire, or they start to get droughty, even though they may have water but it helps them to fully finish their reproduction sooner. It also will help with silk quality and how well that that ear is going to set the glooms into kernels. As a concept, I have yet 
to see when they're properly applied early on that we have lost yield or cost the grower any money by doing that. There's been some advances in the quality of the products, some of the additional active ingredients that came from the vegetable markets have given us significantly longer length in how well they will be active in that plant. Hmm. And I think it's one of those value-added things. You're going to pay 5 $6 more for the more loaded type of a fungicide, but it's also going to pay you back with more bushels. We've had field trials with growers on maybe some tougher fields that have been nearly 40 bushel response with wow. a $15 product. That's great. So stock quality will be huge. I mean, and you think about disease prevention, and I know I get crossways sometimes, you know, as far as IPM, are we overusing a product? Should we only use it when we have a disease and then try and stop it? In this case, I think we're enhancing the natural ability of a corn plant or a soybean plant to protect itself because they're not void of resistance to diseases. So if you have a healthier plant and a fungicide in there, that's gonna give you better stock quality. You know, the big bugaboo always was, well, my corn will be that much wetter. The moisture in it will be greater at harvest. I don't think that's true anymore when we're going with these early timely applications. You're actually speeding that plant through its natural processes to harvest. Okay. Okay. Well, that that is a concern we've heard in the past, yes. I know, so I'm glad you covered that. That's great. Yes. Um, so as we kind of wrap up here, anything else that maybe I haven't asked you that we need to get out there in front of folks, or what are you thinking there? I think they need to be out in the field analyzing, you know, look at some of your stands, look at, you know, take a shovel, do root digs, see what's going on below ground, because there's going to be some yield impacted by some sins that were committed here at planting time and we all do them i do it out here in the plots you know it's going to rain tomorrow and it's kind of dry so let's go plant it yeah you got to go when you You got to go when you got to go and i know some of these later planted fields and i always mention this to people and they go but i don't own one is a cultivation Mm. if we can get in there and air some of them out stir that hard soil around You know, the early planted ones are too big, but some of these later planted ones would still have a little time. It's actually four or five years ago I did some strip cultivations to see, okay, how much does it improve or cost us in yield? And it was nine bushel in corn by cultivation was the yield improvement. Hmm. Soybeans we improved by three bushel. Okay. And it was two totally diverse years. Wow. Well, good. Okay. So, no, it does not hurt you, and as we encounter more and more weed issues, we're going to be talking to growers about we got to take a cultivation back into the picture. Well, Dave, I appreciate your time, and uh, we look forward to maybe chatting with you again later in the, in the season see how things are looking. Sounds good. All right, thanks again. You bet. Thanks, Tom. Thanks, Tom.